0: (laughs) I transcended (laughs) now I'm having a hard time getting my feet back on the ground Um, in Colossians chapter 3 Paul begins this third chapter if then you have been raised with Christ seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on the earth and then jumping down to our Key verse, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, and that's as far as we get today. We're working our way through Paul's virtue list here in chapter 3, but this morning I find it very difficult to not be distracted by Ukraine uh, and the Russian and Ukrainian conflict. Millions of desperate prayers are reaching out to God this morning. Maybe billions of prayers that he would bring an end to this. We have seen heartbreaking images and we have seen instances of incredible bravery. Uh, One young man who uh, allowed himself to be blown up, to destroy a bridge to keep Russian troops from crossing into um, civilian populated areas. Last week, um, I talked about compassionate hearts. And the response that I got from you, some of you, was so positive. In fact, when I told that one story about my friend who's whose son uh, took his life because he could not live with schizophrenia, there was like, you may, you may not have noticed, there was a visible response here. There's like a gasp and, a, and you know, I could see it in your faces, it was like that, that hit you. You felt that pain um, and that's a compassionate heart. So I, I know that you're in pain for the victims, of this current conflict. I'm going to say three things about it and then let it go. And I have to say, I'm uh, I'm very poor on history and geography. Uh, so I'm just saying things from my perspective, what, what I understand about this. So it may be shallow. It may be flawed. Um, But I'm too stubborn not to say it anyway. So uh, I'm just going to say three things and let it go. First of all, that, that this war is the doing of governments, and no government is innocent. Well, we might think, well, we're way over here. Certainly, we're innocent. Our government is not innocent. Ukraine is not innocent. Ukraine has waged war on uh, uh, Lugansk uh, uh, since 2014. Uh, this is uh, a state, an, an oblast, that wanted to be independent from the Ukraine. When the Ukraine declared its independence from Russia, uh, the people in this area did not want to be Ukrainian. They wanted to be Russian. 90% of the population of the Hunks speaks Russian, not Ukrainian. And uh, the Ukraine government did not want to lose the capital city and its area. So um, there has been ongoing conflict. There have been 29 peace fires declared since 2014 and today. And each one of them has been broken. Russia has provided military aid to the Russian separatist in the Hanks, and uh, and so that's been a you know like an ongoing thing. The U.S. and I don't know I don't know what exactly to think about this, but the U.S. has been hands off, and they have not recognized the Hanks declaration of independence from the Ukraine as a separate state or a separate nation state. Um, And the people in the hangst would like to be an independent state uh, and a part of the Russian Federation. Uh, That is in a popular vote. The majority have voted for that. It's a slender margin, but still it's there. Um, And our government has said, we don't recognize it. um, Basically what they say. Uh, along with the United Kingdom, that this Declaration of Independence was illegal, that international law prohibits this from happening. Governments act in their own interest, not in civilian interests. You know, I, I think we all can agree with that. Because if you're a Democrat in the four previous years of the administration, uh, we do not agree with government. If you're a Republican today, you don't agree with government. Um, you probably don't like uh, our current governor. But governments have their own interest that they want to pursue and protect. And the citizens are often victims of the government's decisions And and we need to know that the the people of Ukraine and the men, women, and children of Russia are people like us. That their government does not represent them, does not represent what they want. Um, And those who say, well, our government does represent what I want, uh, have been fooled by propaganda, Um, stories they've been told about, the issue in the Ukraine. So so that's the first thing. That this that this is governments and not the people. And the people are just like us. They they really are. I think the first time that this this uh, representative of Uh, an organization that works with orphanages in Russia. The first time he said, you've got to come to Russia with me. Uh, We kept bumping into each other at these conferences. And he said, you know, you have to come to Russia. I know that that's why God keeps bumping us into each other. And my thought was, I'm not going to the country of the humongous bear who just wants to eat up everything in the forest. Um, there's no way I'm going to hammer in Sickleville. So, um, <laughs> but um, he kept working me. And once I went and met the people, and this was not, you know, you're on a tour bus. It was definitely not a nice tour bus. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we just were thankful whenever it stopped and we got off alive. But the more I met the people, I, I mean, and, directors of orphanages, orphans themselves, spent a lot of time with them, our interpreters, um, the more I realize that they have all the same needs, all the same longings, all the same aspirations. They speak a different language, they have a different culture, but they're just like us. And we came to love them and they also reciprocated. They loved us. The second point I want to make is that the key issue the key issue of this current conflict is not that it proves we are living in the end times. That, um, uh, OK, oh, I want to say turn off the. the <laughs> <clears throat> My dad's church began to grow before the hippies showed up. And it grew because after 1967, when Israel once again, after almost 2,000 years, became a nation, that clicked in a lot of dispensational minds and said, The Lord's coming back. These are the end times. Israel is a nation again. And what was not clearly understood is that Israel today is not biblical Israel. And you can find as many atheists in Israel as you can reformed Jews. And I'm not dissing Israel. Uh, I'm just saying that mistakes were made regarding predicting the return of Jesus. And uh, when he did not return in 1981, my dad said, well, I'm surprised. (laughs) And that's because previously he had said, well, I'll be surprised if the Lord hasn't come back by 1981. So um, when my dad noticed that attendance was dropping a little bit in his church years later, he would go to the End Times series, and that would bring people back because it's sensational. Uh, And with enough uh, information from the newspaper, you can get people really going on this, really excited about this. But we're not going to exploit what's, you know, what's a tremendous tragedy in many human lives because that's not our concern. Our concern is for human lives right now that are struggling and suffering and in need, uh, in need of shelter and safety of food and water. And we work and pray for peace in this world as it is. And, and it's okay in our prayers to say, and come quickly, Lord Jesus. But there are many ways that he can come to us without the ultimate final event of his return. And we want him to come to us now. We want him to come to us here today, as he said he would, and to give us perspective and hope and, and resolve and insight into anything that he wants us to do in this hour. The third thing that I want to say, and this pertains to today's message, is that we have already seen generous acts of kindness in what's going on with Ukraine and Russia. Poland has welcomed over 120,000 refugees. And they just keep crossing the border. They believe, before all is said and done, there will be over a million refugees from Ukraine into Poland and other border nations. And Poland has officially said, come to us. We will provide you with shelter. We will provide you with food. All for free, of course, was their statement. You are welcome here. Come to us. That is an incredible act of kindness. A host of refugees is not, any, uh, not easy for any culture, even a huge nation like our own. It's not easy to deal with. But here is this recognition of tremendous need and a heartfelt response. This is, this is kindness. Another instance of kindness, a friend of ours, and I'm sure when I say Tom and Alita Sharp, uh, many of you know who I'm talking about. Uh, they're now in Belize, but prior to that, they lived in the Ukraine where he taught and, and ministered and worked. And recently he received this message from a former student. This is just part of the message. Uh, this is from. Uh, Ruslan Lechenko. He says, friends and relatives from Russia call and write. The biggest thing that touches my heart from their words is when they cry and apologize for Putin's aggression. They say, we supported him regarding the introduction of troops into the LDNR to protect against Ukrainian troops. LDNR, that is Luhansk. Um, not to attack other civilian cities, though, and especially the mother city Kiev, we are ashamed. Forgive us if you can. This is the this is people living in the aggressor nation, talking to people, friends, and family in the nation that's being encroached upon. All right, so. I suspect that this one word, kindness, could change our world. Compared to other human actions, though, the energy of kindness seems weak. Um, It seems not as active. It's like humility. That seems like a, a weak energy. A glance at Paul's vice list in the same chapter, we see the powerful energy of anger, malice, slander. That gets a lot of propulsion. Sexual immorality and greed, all of these have high energy. There is, for instance, an excess of anger in our country. You know, every once in a while, I work on my philosophy of vehicleization and travel on the road. uh, And I try to figure out the personality style of different drivers. (laughs) You know, uh, here's a person who is competitive, and he just has to get in front of everyone. I've been surprised sometimes when, uh, you know, this is funny, some old guy, and here I am, an old guy now, when, when uh, some old guy's driving real slow, and then I go to pull around him, and he speeds up. And I'm like, what? you know, competitive personality driver type. Uh, some are uh, living in their own world. Once they get inside their car, this is our little world. And it's so nice to just sit here. We can sit at red lights. We can, you know, uh, we're not worried about, we don't even notice when people tailgate us, flash their lights, honk, you know. It's like, that's, that's the world outside. This is our, and they're very peaceful and at rest in their joyous little, you know, inner world. I really like to become that kind of driver and just not give a damn about anyone else. Uh, I can't. I, I I care about everyone else and what they're doing, <laughs> um, and yeah. Then there's my type, uh, yeah, and then there's you know just the ongoing pissed off driver. And I'm sure you know they are mad at everybody everywhere they go. The the waiter in the restaurant, the guy behind the counter in the gas station, their child's teacher at school. Just, they're mad at everybody. They're always ready to blow up at someone. Anyway. Uh, Anger is, is very evident in our society. If not out in the open, it seethes beneath the surface and all it takes is just a little scratch and it explodes. And sadly, it has become a characteristic of many Christians. Those who scare me the most restrain expression of the, their anger and they say, Hateful things with a smile. I'm thinking of of one man who would give you the impression that he's the best Christian you'll ever meet. And he can explain to you the justification for his racism because he understands it really well. And he'll say derogatory things about other races with a smile on his face, like, I am so right about this. However, if we allow kindness to do its work in our souls, we'd find a personal strength in doing good that we never knew was possible. Kindness waters the earth with goodness and hope. It washes and bandages every sort of wound. Kindness could heal our world. The poets and the prophets of the Old Testament were captivated by God's kindness. The poets, oh, how abundant is your kindness which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you, Psalm 31. O taste and see that the Lord is good, or kind. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's the same word Paul uses here. O taste and see that the Lord is kind, Psalm 34. In your goodness, kindness, O God, you provided for the needy. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is kind, for his steadfast love endures forever. You are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. Peter O'Brien says uh, of the Old Testament that kindness is a quality which God Himself demonstrates in concrete situations. You know, what happened? I was in a pit. How did you get out? The Lord made it happen. Why? Because he's kind. Because he's so kind to me. Then the prophets, Jeremiah, thus says the Lord, in this place which you say, it is a waste without man or beast, a wilderness. In the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man or inhabitant or beast, there shall be heard again the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of those who sing as they bring thank offerings to the house of God. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is kind, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then the prophet Nahum, the Lord is good, is kind, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. The reason that that one word could mean both good and kind is because goodness is embodied in kindness. What is kindness? It's an act of goodness. So kindness is is one way that good is materialized. I remember a high school English teacher going to the chalkboard and writing, good, and then a line and evil, and he says, what is good? He says, it's the opposite of evil. What's evil? It's the opposite of good. He says, we don't learn anything that way. He says, we don't know what good is. Good is an abstraction. And I'm sitting there thinking, no, no it's not. <laughs> because I'm a Christian, and I know good is not an abstraction. I don't know what it is. I mean, <laughs> I can't give you a definition that you'll appreciate, but, um, but good is an abstraction if it's not connected to something tangible, um, you know, something comprehensible, uh, something that materializes it. As I said, uh, and one way that goodness expresses itself is in kind actions, kindness shown to someone else. You see, kindness is the fruit that's born by a compassionate heart. That's why he begins with compassionate heart and then on to the fruit that it bears, kindness. Um, That is where kindness originates. It grows on a good tree, but it does not stay there. You see, it doesn't just stay in this In the heart, in this inner space, it is possible to feel pity for someone who's suffering and do nothing. You know, I can say I have a compassionate heart. I really care. I really do. Where do you want to go for lunch? You know, it's like what happens to that. Well, I, you know, it'll go away if I take a nap. You know, I can wake up. I won't feel compassionate anymore, or. I can watch TV, I, can, I don't have to do anything if I think I have a comp- compassionate heart. But if I really have a compassionate heart, I must. Love will always seek incarnation. Love will always seek to express itself. And the compassionate heart will express itself in kindness. When we read that Jesus was moved with compassion. That movement was what he did. It, it, was the, it was the kindness that he then showed. You see, kindness engages our bodies. It requires the use of our hands and feet. It requires listening and speaking. It works within us even when we're being kind to someone else. kindness works within our muscle, our organs, our tissue, our bones. It works something into us even while we show it to someone else. I mean, a child knows this. One time I was taking my children to Flagstaff, and it was just Michael and the twins. And uh, so we're in the van and I had two aunts that lived together. They started a church in Phoenix, Arizona. They had a summer camp in Williams, and I remembered that uh, one of my aunts had passed away, and the other, I I thought, well, it was summertime. She might be at at the camp. And so uh, I had to locate the camp because they had sold the old camp on a new one. And uh, it was right as, as... camp was ending and all the campers were being picked up and taken back home and my, uh, my aunt came into her cabin. Uh, some of her staff was sitting there and she just collapsed on the couch and she said, oh, what a week. She, just, she was older and she was exhausted and uh, there was this little conference between her and a couple of staff members and my aunt looked at me and said, you, uh, Chuck, would you mind there's a camper who does not want to leave. And, and uh, they haven't been able to coax him to get into the car and go. Would you please go coax him? And um, I said, sure. And I went, and this little kid was hanging on to uh, a piece of equipment in the, in the playground. And I... Struggled to get his arms to release. It's like removing a muscle from a a, a pier uh, pylon. And uh, finally, I wore him out enough. But I have to hold him like like a pr- in prison on my lap. He was struggling so much to get. It. He was a strong little guy, about this tall, very very strong. And he's crying, I don't want to leave, I don't want to leave. I said, I understand. You know, people are nice here. And he said, You don't understand. I have five older brothers and they all beat me up. <laughs> now, a lot of the kids who came to the camps were from underprivileged, what we used to call underprivileged homes. So this really wasn't a surprise to me. I had been at these camps in Williams, Arizona from as early as I can remember. And, you know, the uh, Foursquare Square Church, Pentecostal Church, was a lower class movement. And its appeal was to the lower class. I mean, these are the people who need to hoop and holler when they go to church. It's the only entertainment they get all week. So um, as I'm trying to convince this, this kid that he can't stay there, he has to get in the car with these nice Christian people, and they're going to take him home off to Tucson or Yuma or wherever, um, my son Michael said, here. And he he handed him one of his own brand new toys. And he said, um, you can have this. And first, the the kid just looked at it. And then he looked at Michael, and he was a little suspicious. And then finally, he, he took it. and. Uh, The last thing I remember is him driving away and through the car window I could see him with this little action figure that my son had given him. And Michael's response to giving it was not immediately, hey dad, are you going to buy me another one? (laughs) That did come later. (laughs) But his his immediate response was, he felt really good that he was able to give something away to a kid who'd never owned something like this on his own. He felt really good that he could participate in this process. He did something kind, and it worked back on him. So even children know the inner experience of giving something away. Uh, My granddaughter Adriana. She loves projects, and she's very creative, but she gives these away. You know. So it's, I love you, Daddy. I love you, Grandpa. I love you, Mommy. The Greek word is given interesting meanings in the New Testament. that can round out our understanding of what, how kindness looks. Once when Paul was at sea, his ship was in this terrible storm, and it seemed like it was going to be torn to pieces. So the sailors passed ropes underneath the ship and uh, then tightened them with winches, which was a typical way of protecting those old Roman vessels. And Luke says they used supports to undergird the ship. And supports translates the Greek word for kindness. Kindness is a form of support that we give to others. It holds things together. Sometimes it holds people together. There then is Jesus' famous invitation in Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light." Easy translates the same Greek word for kindness. How do you get that? To show kindness is to assist someone with their burdens, to ease the load to make their lives a little easier. By showing kindness, we ease the struggles of another person. I don't want to sell you on the health benefits of being kind, because I don't want that to be our motive. Now I'm being kind to you because I found out it improves my mental health. I don't want to be kind to you because I find out it lowers my my uh, blood pressure, whatever. I mean, you can get this information online. Uh, one source I would recommend is Mayo Clinic's uh, Kickstart Kindness program. It's worth looking at. They have almost 100 different examples of how you can be kind, and they have a program for uh, selecting you know, those examples and you know, trying one on each day. But be that as may, I'm not going into that. Um, I would uh, want to return to a point that I made last week, at least I I tried to make this point, that the, the value of taking virtues and making them a spiritual practice. Now, meditation and contemplative prayer, these are part of a spiritual practice. Lectio Divina, reading the word to hear God's spirit speak through it. This is a spiritual practice. But all the virtues are considered spiritual practice, not rules. You've got to do this to be good. We're not trying for that. God says that we're good. But the virtues are, are to deepen and develop us. And so the value of making the virtues of spiritual practice is that they free our minds from worldly concerns and help us to become more aware of God's presence in the present moment. This is what Paul is getting at with this virtue list. Like I read earlier, seek things that are above, where Christ is. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So, you know, it's, it's like, be here with God. Now, instead of above, if we think, oh, I've got to think about things in heaven, just think beyond, that beyond this material world, there's a fine membrane, or a physicist might call it, just call it a brain between dimensions. Um, and there's a fine curtain between us and heaven, which is here right now. And that here right now is the beyond. And we don't automatically know it because it's not available to our senses, but it's here. And the virtues help us to move that direction in our awareness. And kindness is one of those virtues that help to open up heaven for us and liberate us from the distractions of this world. When we perform a kind act, We move out beyond ourselves. So if I'm one of those drivers who lives in his car, and that's my whole world, kindness is opening the door and getting out and doing something for someone else. It's getting out of myself. And what happens when I move out of myself with awareness? I wake up to a larger reality. The reality of this person and their struggles are these people, and their suffering. And the larger reality that is God's dimension, the dimensions of God's love and God's kindness and God's spirit. And I also discover a me that is greater than my old self with all of its automatic responses and habitual behavior and, and programming. and. And that's a blessing. Some of us question our usefulness to God. Not all of us, and I think that's wonderful that we all weren't raised with that. But some of us, maybe we feel like we don't know the Bible well enough to be of any use To God, uh, that we're not—we don't have enough training to be good representatives of God or of Jesus. That that we still have weaknesses that we imagine could hold us back, and you know, if God's looking for someone to use, uh, let me see—oh, not Chuck. Um, You know, can't use him. You know, uh, my scalpels have to be sanitized. Um, Or perhaps we've done things that we're now ashamed of. So. We assume God wants to work with someone more righteous. He doesn't want to use you know, a loser like me. But the thing about kindness is that weakness and failure do not disqualify us. In fact, it's just the opposite. One of my favorite lines from the Gospel of Luke is when Jesus heals this man who's paralyzed. And it says, he rose up and picked up what he had been lying on and went home. So what carried him there, his stretcher, he carried away. He picked up what he had been lying on and walked off with it. What had been our dependencies and our addictions are now sources of strength for us. And because of that strength, we can help others in addiction and with dependencies. Those things are now for us a source of wisdom and empathy and, and even creativity. And, and not only can we handle our own stuff now, but we can help others with their stuff. Yesterday afternoon, I took a walk with Kona, uh, Kona the Wonder Dog, and uh, Kona the Bad Dog. But though she is very, very bad, and though I tell her that frequently, I always say it like I love her. Oh, going you're such a bad dog, aren't you? Oh, you're so bad. Look at how bad you are. And you're ugly too. And I just hate you. But it's okay. And she's just wagging her tail the whole time, like, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, he's crazy about me. Uh, if she only knew. Okay, so, um, so uh, I was walking her, and I, I kept repeating the word kindness in my mind, kindness. And you know, it was like looking through a different filter. It occurred to me that I was seeing every person in a different way, that, I, that even other drivers, when I was going home, I was seeing in a different way. I had a different sort of feeling about each person. Um, Maybe a connection, like, like there was a real connection there. And it seemed that I was prepared and primed for an opportunity. That if someone needed something and I had it to give, I, I was there for that. And I realized that's the life I want to live. And I hope it's the life that you want to live. It's the life of this virtue, kindness. Kindness. And so I'm going to say, try it. Maybe put the word kindness somewhere where you're going to see it. But but try just saying the word kindness in your mind as you leave here today, and as you go into tomorrow, kindness, and see if that gives you a different perspective. See if it doesn't enlarge your perspective and open your heart. Would you stand with me, please? What's so funny, Tess? I was Pete. I said I have that word on my desk. Oh, do you really? i I need to remember. Yes, you do. I
1: asked
0: her when started. That's great. I think that's wonderful, but I don't think it's funny. Okay. <laughs> May the Lord God bring peace to Ukraine and the whole area. May the Lord God bring peace on earth. May the kind of peace that grows and spreads be planted in our hearts and may kindness be one of its key features. May the Lord bless us, keep away all evil, and lead us into eternal life in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.